Welcome back to the Culturally Distinct Podcast, guys. I thank you guys for tuning back into the show. Hey, this is season four. I haven't been on in about two weeks because uh, I've been, as you can see, I upgraded the studio a little bit. Uh, we got rid of the table. So, guys, uh, we have a new studio. Well, not, not a new studio, but a new look for you guys. See, I know you got tired of looking at the same look, but uh, I appreciate you guys who tune into the show. I appreciate you guys who... who uh, Send me all your comments and send me the uh, DMs. Last season was a good season. We got a lot of good feedback, and uh, hopefully this season going to be better than it, what it was. Actually, you know what? I'm going to speak into fruition. We are going to have a better season than what we had last year, okay? But to everybody that tuned in, I appreciate you guys tuning in, telling a friend to tell a friend. We're going to continue to bring some awesome, dope content for you guys. I appreciate you guys. Subscribe. I love you guys. Today, guys, we have a special show for you guys today. Uh, we have an individual that I met over an event over, uh, what was it, two weeks ago? Yeah, it was two weeks ago. Something like that, two weeks ago. And uh, I thought the way she uh, she uh, presented herself was very elegant. If I wanted to say elegant, and I was like, well, that's something that's missing right there. You know, I, but I didn't know that she actually taught what she eluded. So today, uh, we're going to talk about that a little today, and, and hopefully we can... Uh, help our, our community and push our community forward in the uh, subjects that we talk about today. But anyway, I'd like everybody to welcome to the show, Miss Shahara. Hello, everybody. Thank you, Adam, for having me. You know, I never had anybody that's like, you teach, like I'm teaching elegance. You know, it's, it's always interesting to receive sometimes how people perceive you. Right. You know, of course, you do have to be careful sometimes. You know, you do have a choice as to what you receive from other people, but I'm going to receive that elegance, elegance that you, you know, got. It was dope. Me. It was dope. You know, uh, as, this, as this interview takes place, you know, the people will see it. You know, some people call it a vibe. Some people call it chemistry. We'll see it. But at the same time, you would know when, like, when you hear a person speaks, speak, you'd be like, something about that individual, you know. I don't know what it is. I don't know if they speak well. I don't know if it's their spirit. There is something about them, you know what I'm saying? And I believe you have that thing with inside of you. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, you Thanks, know, Adam. I had to start off with a compliment. You know, a vibe. Man. Shout out to the guys who get compliments. It's you know a vibe. <laughs> Who sings that song? Um, oh, that's all uh, Two Chains. No, uh, but who else? The one that's singing it. Uh, he got the locks and the light eyes. It's a vibe. Yeah, I like that. So, Sahara, could you tell people exactly where you're from? Yes. Well, actually, I'm originally from here in Houston, Texas. Okay. My family lives here. I left right before high school. My parents separated. So then I found myself in the Midwest. Northwest Indiana is where I finished high school, and then I went to college there. And then after that, I spent a lot of time in Chicago. I lived there for about 13 years, and I lived in New Orleans. And then I returned back to what I call the place where I penetrated this realm. So. And that's Houston, Texas. And that is Houston, Texas. So out of those places, Indiana, no, I'm going to do a comparison now, right? Mm-hmm. Out of those places, even though I know the Houston of the early part of your life was like your youth. Yeah, so I was like, were, I was a kid. Yeah. Like, it's a different experience. But your adult life was Indiana, uh-huh. New Orleans, and Houston. Yeah. Which place, I got to put you on the spot, which place do you think that's the better place of or living? You know what? I would definitely say Houston, and, and not just because you know, the city is dope and, you know, there's always great entertainment. The weather is great. But um, for my spirit, 
that's where I feel home. Okay. Um, I know that I was born here. My family is here. So even when I was living in Chicago, living in Indiana, like coming back home for the holidays and, and having to visit my mother and my father and my brother, that was always still here. But when I finally decided to move back, it just was like, oh, this is what it feels like to be at home. Uh, so, so I would definitely say Houston for a number of different reasons, but my spirit felt home here. But it's different. It's a different Houston when you left, though, you know? Well, I, you know what? I mean, but that's for anything. For people who, who are born here and raised here all throughout, like, through 12th grade and then maybe leave somewhere and go to college mm-hmm. and then come back, you know, you're, you still are experiencing a different type of Houston. Okay. You know, you can't, at 21, you can't do the same things that you was doing at 16. Absolutely. You know, so well, for, for a beautiful, <laughs> right. But for a beautiful city like Houston, I feel like, or if you're living experience, you stay curious and you stay discovering. Right. It, it could be like living in a whole new city. You know, with each with each, with each season, but um, but overall, like yeah, no, I I love Houston. I love the vibe, um, and and I'm close to my family. It just okay. feels like home. That's dope. So let's talk about this uh, Speak House. Well, we, yes. before we even get into Speak House, what made you even get into the avenue of Ooh. the etiquette of speaking? Ooh, okay, so I always like to give this story, and I like so when I'm talking to you, but I'm also talking to the people who are listening as mm-hmm. well. But I give this story that back when I was in fifth grade, they chose me and a couple other kids to become part of this conflict management class, okay. right? And so they trained us in conflict management, they gave us this sash, they gave us a check, a little clipboard, and then we were supposed to go out into the playground and then like diffuse conflict. Okay. And so, at fifth grade, yeah, at fifth grade, oh, wow. like, so you see people beefing on the pr- on the playground. You gotta be like, excuse me, let's move through this process, right? <laughs> wow. Okay. But I would say what was really validating in that experience, outside of my own family members affirming me and my voice, was people outside of my family. And so the the teachers, the administrators, and in such an official capacity, whether I realized it or not then, but I look mm-hmm. back on it now, that was the first time that people said. One, you have a voice. Okay. Two, this is how you can use it. And three, empowered me to actually go out and use it in, in honestly, in a kind of an aggressive, assertive type of way. Okay. You know, not passively. Like, go out there, start those conversations. Right. So, for me, I would say that my journey in being a speaker and being a communicator started all the way back then. Okay. And I think it that snowballed into leadership and then you know, student body president, and then just telling people what to do, basically. So, so basically, what you're saying, from what I'm hearing, you actually uh, you use your voice to, I guess, empower change. Yeah, it, it, I mean, being in spaces of leadership, I feel like are the best opportunities to exercise your voice and and be able to grow your communication skills and evolve them. Um, You know, if you're not in a space of leadership or you're not working on leadership teams or you weren't part of different organizations, then most of your talking is very casual. Right, right. You know, or most of the time you're showing up at work, if you're not in the leadership space or if you're not working in a space where you're exercising leadership, then people are talking to you and then you're responding. Right. You know, so that's very reactionary. Um, So you're not necessarily working on the offense and it's a very different way to communicate when you know that you have a message that you're going to give. So when you find yourself in these spaces where you're on boards or committees right. or organizations, like 
you have to intentionally show up in that space. Right. So I think that's what kind of makes the difference. Now, whether or not you were the head of the organization or just a contributor to it, mm-hmm. you know, having that space where it's like, I have something to offer right. and I have to make sure I get it to all of these people, that's what makes, I think, the difference. So do you think that, in saying that, do you think that having a voice as a woman, as a black female, Having a voice, do you think that is sometimes overshadowed with another message basically saying, okay, she's an alpha, or she's overdramatic, or she's, uh, you know well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it can be. I am an alpha female. Okay. You know, okay. I don't have to Shout say Shout out to all it. alpha you, women. You, okay, all right. Shout out to all the alpha women. Okay. Um, and I... I I'm definitely aggressive, and I and I say that too because a lot of times aggressive, you know, comes with this negative connotation, right? right? Oh well, maybe you're just assertive. No, I'm kind of aggressive. You know what you want. You, you, I'm, if I'm asking you for something, I'm coming for you, and I'm asking you, and I'm expecting a response. You know All what right. I'm saying? So, so for me, <laughs> that is that's how I roll. But as I have uh, matured, and as I really start to understand understand my voice there are different levels to it and so I become a more powerful communicator when I know that I can turn up the aggression in Mm -hmm. spaces that are needed and I can turn it down when it's not do you think that's aggressive not aggressive I'm sorry do you think that's uh what's the word I'm looking for uh not inferior but it's uh, intimidating do you think that's intimidating? It, it, it can be in the very surface way of understanding it. Most times people say, oh, she's very intimidating. And I think that that's the, that's the first way that we understand it. But instead, okay. it's not so much intimidating. It, it is, that's the word that you use to describe your feeling. Correct. But what you're actually feeling is some type of insufficiency right. to not either compete or compare or be in the same room. Correct. So intimidating, like it's like being in a room with a tiger or something. Like, I, hell yeah, I'm gonna be intimidated because I know I don't have the strength. I don't. Right. I can't. Me and a tiger, we can't. Like we can't. We can't roll. tussle right? because <laughs> we he can't tussle. Has he right. has qualities that I don't have. So when I find myself in a room or in a space with people who I just naturally like, oh, I feel intimidated in a way, I don't put that as a mark on them. Okay. To me, it's a reflection of, okay, well, what's causing you to feel intimidated by them? Okay. You know, so is it because of their presence? Is it because you're worried, like maybe I'm worried that they're not going to think I'm credible enough? Or am I worried that they're not going to think that I I have enough status or Mm -hmm. maybe I don't have enough experience? You know, are they going to think that um, because I I talk this way or I talk that way that maybe I'm not groomed enough or whatever, right? But it's more so uh, when I say I'm a little intimidated by it. (laughs) It's probably because you put me in a space that Mm -hmm. I'm just a little unfamiliar as to how I feel like I should show up in that. Right. Well, you know, and sometimes I think, uh, especially when it comes to a corporate sense, like our business meetings, uh, I think a lot of people feel, use that that term intimidation. I agree with what you just said. Uh, You feel like you're lack of, but at the same time, I think in these certain spaces, certain people are accepted. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So no matter what you say, no matter what you do, no matter how you do it, you're still not going to be accepted. And I think that's where the intimidation takes place. Yeah, sometimes. and then and then if you use that thought process, 
then the intimidation should dissipate because now you know what it's really about. Okay. You feel intimidated because you feel like you're not going to be accepted. And if you're okay with not being accepted, you can release the feeling of feeling intimidated. That sounds good. I like it. I like it. So let's talk about uh, Speak House. Yeah. Speak House. How was this? What, first of all, what is Speak House and how was it created and what was the thought behind it? Yeah, so Speak House is a public speaking and communication coaching company, and uh, we both have B2C and B2B offerings, but we're super focused on B2B, okay. um, and so we provide culturally competent communication coaching, and we do that mm. in three different areas, whether we're working with teams and sales, uh, whether they are like client-facing or customer support and customer success. We work with like managers and then like high potential talent. So this is about cultivating the leaders within your organization. Okay. But then we also work in diversity, equity, inclusion in the space of how do we create uh, workplaces, how do we increase workplace belonging through the way that we communicate. And so we offer uh, an on-demand training platform uh, so it makes it scalable for businesses. And, but then we also provide live programming. So we do like workshop series for organizations, and then for on the B to B on the B to C side, uh, every month we offer two workshops. Uh, we call them our social, and we call it a social because most of the time that we find ourselves wanting to uh, be eloquent, or we want the words to flow out, or we want to make sure that we're on message or on right. point, we're in social situations. Absolutely. You know, we got a cocktail in our hand, we're introduced to somebody, so we call it a social because. Those are the stages that we find ourselves speaking the most. Mm -hmm. uh, so we offer two of those socials. We call them socials. They're workshops. And okay. uh, one virtual and then one in person here in Houston. And we've actually got some coming up. I don't know when it's going to get played, but it's pretty much every month, y'all. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so okay. Now, I was, I was thinking about that on the way over here because I was, I was asking a question to myself. I was saying, okay, why do you think it is so important for us as a community, mm -hmm. or the term you used earlier as a culture, why do you think it's so important for us to speak properly or speak importantly in these certain uh, realms? Well, one properly probably says who, <laughs> right? First and foremost. <laughs> um, well, we can't go in there and say, you know what I'm saying? Brother, yeah, what's happening? We you, all chill. You can. You know, you absolutely can. Okay. It just depends. If this is your first time meeting somebody, if that's how you want to present yourself, then present yourself that way. You know, and if you're prepared to present yourself that way, then you're also prepared for the success that comes thereafter or the denial that comes thereafter as well. But you just have to be prepared for that and be okay with that. So I, I don't really, like, we're not coaching you to speak proper. We're not coaching you to speak professional either. Because that, those are all words that have been guised and, and, and cloaked in, in racism and, and European standards okay. for us to talk like them. I'm not here to coach you to talk like them. Uh, one thing that we talk about at Speak House is we coach in this space of, of the, the intersection between identity, communication, and business. Okay. So we understand we got to show up in business, but we have to communicate, but we have to maintain our identity. Otherwise, we won't find fulfillment in the things that we do. Um, but it's important for black people, especially because our voice has been put through so many different filters. Correct. 
you know, we have to, it, we, of course, we hear about code switching and all this other type of stuff, which I, I think has become a superpower of ours. It's like we speak multiple languages and we are able to transition right. depending on who our audience is very naturally. Um, but it's important for us to kind of compensate for how often we've been taught to speak a certain way, to hold our tongue a certain way. And there's so many risks that we do take in mm -hmm. the workplace that some of those filters have even been put on ourselves, you know, because of because of societal, you know, norms, right? Right. But in order to not feel overtaken by that, in order to not feel lost, in order to not feel like you're always putting on a mask, it's important that you exercise what your voice is. So you may have to adjust here and adjust there, but it's still about maintaining the autonomy of your voice and knowing what that is. If you don't know, then that's what makes you feel so lost and disconnected. So that's going to be my next question. I'm like, okay, some people don't even know what their voice is. Some people might may have a voice, mm -hmm. right? But they don't know how important or how powerful it is because they like it either they uh, was never praised for it mm -hmm. or they never like, they just never took the responsibility, you know, to say I care enough to uh, use my voice. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. how does a person know if they have a voice or not? So if you're questioning that, then that means you know you have a voice. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like if you are saying there, oh, well, do I have a voice? That means that you're recognizing the, the, the fact that you haven't exercised it uh, intentionally. Right. And so and if mm. that's the case, so the way I look at it is like finances, like, you know, us black people, it's like a renaissance right now. Like we're all eager and seeking, you know, financial information on how we can build generational wealth. Absolutely. And we have Absolutely. to work like extra hard to go for it. We have to make it a priority. And because of the fact that we've identified it as being from a space of lack, like we didn't have this. We didn't get taught right. that we were working you know, we're working from a deficit in order to get ahead. And and so the same intention that you would go to do to find the resources, to find the advisors, to, you know, to do all of that, you also have to do that with your voice. Mm -hmm. you, you have to do that with how you're – and your voice really is just the vehicle that is allowing your thoughts, your ideas, and your sentiments to be carried out and connected to other people. Okay, go. Say that again one more time. Your, your so, thoughts are... So your voice, voice? Okay. is only the vehicle of your thoughts, your ideas, your sentiments, and your feelings being carried out through your voice to okay. connect with other people. So it's not like you're finding your voice, me, 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 this is going to come out, right? What you're finding is, and what you need to get more familiar with is, is what are my thoughts? What are my ideas? What mm -hmm. am I passionate about? Okay. And when you now find what you're passionate about, what you like to talk about, what you feel like you're an expert about, now really all you're doing is formulating those ideas in your mind and carrying them out through your voice. Your voice begins with what's in here and what's right. in here. Right. And then you find words, this human language, to do your best to try to articulate what's in here. So what do you think the biggest fear is in our community uh, when, it, when it comes to public speaking so and i think that it's not just even our community i think that there it's layered but i think the common denominator is people don't want to look dumb 
look stupid, okay. look gullible, look naive, like they don't know what they're talking about. They don't want to misstep. They don't want somebody talking about them and say, oh, look what she said this and out of the, you know. Like we fear the negative judgment that can come from us sharing our thoughts and our ideas. You know, so the fear is to not be accepted. Mm, so it's acceptance. Like, it's a, yeah, it's like okay. I don't. So if, if I look stupid, they're going to think I'm dumb and they're not going to want to hang out with me. You know, so I'm going to just keep this to myself I got so, you. That, so that maybe I can hang around a little longer or so that, you know, so that what I say doesn't immediately turn them off. Right. Right. So I really think it is like everybody wants to be liked. Everybody mm. wants to be loved. And if you're giving, if you're saying something that's going to make them like you or love you any less, then you're going to feel a little rejection. You know, even if you weren't looking for their acceptance anyways. Right. But you still you still want to be like. Well, you know, I was in, I didn't go to sp good school for uh, mass comm or journalism. None of that stuff. I ain't learned none of this in school. <laughs> so I went to school for kinesiology. Right. Uh -huh. uh, but playing I was an athlete. So being playing ball, we had media training. Mm -hmm. And that's just basically, you know, how to pivot or how to yeah. uh, turn another conversation to what you want the conversation to be. But. I learned all my gab from the streets, right? Talking to women, getting rejected, uh -huh. getting accepted in yeah. certain uh, certain sex or whatever. So it was like that. So, but I used to teach the training class, right? And a lot of this stuff was just methods that I learned my on my own. So one of these uh, training methods that I use, I used to tell the class, I tell the trainers, I used to tell them, I say, uh. The class doesn't know what you know. Mm -hmm. They think you know. Your fear is what you think you don't know, and you think they, yeah, know, they know. Yep. Right? I said, they don't know. You just go in there and just say whatever. You know what I'm saying? They're going to believe you, whatever. But if you feel that you're uh, you're, you're not as, uh, as prepared or you don't know the information as much, they're going to know that because now you're you, you, you losing, like you expressing that. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So, yeah, but I, I believe that what you're saying. Yeah, that, we be, that, that, that's called we be telling on ourselves. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right. I, and and it's, it's natural, you know, like I find myself in certain conversations and uh, talking about subject matter that I ain't got, I ain't got, what do they call it, two cents <laughs> or two pennies to rub together? Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. And, and if I don't know what's being said, then I just opt not to talk about it, right. you know. And, and if I'm ever put, like, in a conversation like this on a podcast or a panel and somebody asks me about something, ooh, friend, that's not my forte. Right. I got but you. what I will know, you know, and then I, <laughs> but I will tell you something that I do know something around the space, you right. know. Um, but I, it's, it's, again, it's, it's that projecting. And, you know, when you say uh, you be telling on yourself, that's also called projecting. And and you don't really have to allow what it is that you don't know to dictate how you show up. Right. Just center yourself on on your own expertise on the things that you do know. So, question: I want to ask you this. Since you're you know since you're an alpha, quote unquote alpha, and you're a powerful woman, and you know you say what you mean, you mean what you say. I want to ask this question because I've been checking social media out, and of course, a lot of people have. Uh, opinions about relationships, things of that nature. What do you think about, If I don't know if you have an opinion about it, but I just want to ask, uh, women that are expressing themselves to men for purposes of money. So basically, when I say I'm only going to date a dude because he provides this amount of money, 
Mm-hmm. What type is that? Is that a form of communication or is? Yeah, it's called direct. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, okay. if, if she's if she's sharing that now, now there's a difference between just communicating and mm-hmm. then how you interpret it and how it makes you feel. What judgments you're making about her right. or him based off of what they've said, but the communication, you know, is clear. Like if if a woman says, you know, I'm only interested in dating men who can take care of me financially. You know, I, I, I definitely prefer to, you know, tend to the home or, you know, do whatever it is that I decide to do. And I am drawn to and I'm attracted to men who can provide for me financially. It puts me at a place of peace. I'm much happier in that space. Right. Um, and it gives me an opportunity to love and give more. You it's know, just, I, go, I don't know. I guess it, if it, that's what she's saying. Right. Because it seems like the conversation is like that everywhere. Like most of the stuff you look at is the conversation. I'm well, like, I mean, if that's if you see that, and this goes back to deciding what it is that you're going to receive, mm-hmm. right? Like you said, I was elegant. He said I was elegant, y'all. And so I decided yeah. to receive that. Yeah. But then when I see messages on social media, I'm just like, oh, okay, that's them. Swipe left. <laughs> is, what, okay. what, what is what is there to be concerned about? That's her prerogative. Right. And, and, if, and if men are offended by that, then if that's not the type of women that you deal with, then that shouldn't even be your prerogative either. So what makes you nervous? What makes what nervous? You. Makes me nervous? Oh, okay. So anytime I, like, oh, for example. You're kryptonite right here. When when I did Ryan's show. Okay. I was nervous. I'm always nervous. Like, yes, I'm I'm a communicator. I'm a public speaker. But I'm always nervous Mm -hmm. because I care. You know, and, and and when you're leading up to it, you don't want to get it. I don't want to mess up anybody's name right, out of right. respect. So there's certain things that I've practiced or certain things that I wanted to make sure I said. Mm-hmm. Um, I get nervous because, you know, people bring me in in, in that space to, to host or MC, facilitate, moderate, whatever the case. You know, I'm there to bring an experience. You know, and I feel so capable of doing it. I always know I can do it. But to know that someone's experience is slightly dependent on how I carry this program out, that to me is a beautiful responsibility to have. But it makes me nervous. You know, I get a little sweaty, you know. (sighs) You know, I'm like, oh, my God, this guy gets... You know, so I get a little like I get I'm, I'm dramatic. So I'm like, oh, my God, I can't this. And then I just go like this. But then then I ground myself in the space of at the end of the day, I know that I can do this. And as long as I connect with people, as long as I'm making eye contact, right. as long as I'm seeing the spirits in the room, like the rest is 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 God moving through that, gotcha. you know. So to if you're ever nervous before you speak, or you know, I get nervous in, in new circumstances or new environments or uh, new clients that I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. I'm pitching. I, I just did uh, at Speakhouse. We last week we pitched to 30 venture capitalists. Oh wow! Okay. And I was nervous, kind of each time. And um, but you, when you find yourself stretching yourself and doing things that you've never done uh, or if it's the first time that you've done it, you're going to feel nervous. Right. People say, oh, I don't want to be nervous. Well, let me tell you something. You're going to be nervous because that's just what it is. <laughs> the, the, the goal is to not let your nerves Take distract over. you yeah. from the direction that you want to go. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like I told you earlier, I was I used to be a trainer and uh, training for my job mm-hmm. and every single class. Even though I knew the information of like the back of my hand, uh-huh. I knew it like this. But it, it's like playing sports. It's like 
I'm going to use that analogy with football. You're, you're nervous every game until you get that first hit. Mm-hmm. Versus somebody hits you or you hit them. It's like, yeah. okay, now all the nerves are shaking off. It's yeah. like, I don't know what it is. And I guess because you care, like you said earlier. It's because you care and you want to do the best you can do with the information that you have. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's a human thing too. And if you're not nervous, or if you don't feel, if you don't feel something, then you're probably going through the motions. And I think that that is your, you know, your internal compass saying that there's something more for you to explore now. Right. There was a, uh, I used to host a show for Toyota. It was a game show, talk show, live audiences, like ten times a day. It was, it was like the boot camp of, for my speaking, and. Still, even then, I, I wouldn't get nervous for each show, mm-hmm. but for that first show of that first like event or that first city that we were at, new script, you know, new stage, new video, new lights, new di- like sometimes we had new directors and stuff. I was like, oh my god, so I always get nervous. But then once you get into that flow, right, it's still I would still get feelings of excitement but just not so much the nervousness. So if you find yourself in a space and you don't feel nervous or you don't feel, you know, a, a bit of, you know, energy or a frequency shock or something like yeah. that, then go search for something else to do to excite your life. <laughs> what do you think about a call and response? It's, it's a beautiful thing. Because like preachers, most, most, yeah. all right, so most, most people call response is basically you, I'm going to use the church as an example. Uh-huh. The, the preacher might say something and somebody might say, well, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But they feel in that. But every response that the audience give the speaker or the moderator or the preacher, it, like it pumps them up and make them invincible. You know where call you know where call and response came from. Mm-mm. Well, this is this is one theory. There's a couple that I've read from, but historically for Black people, call and response uh, came out of slavery, where only few Blacks could actually read, mm. and so the to to read the word, um, the 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 Black people who could read, they would read it out loud, and then the response would be the the verse back to you. Um, so it was to better understand what was being said to you or like to drive home points. So that's Got why you. it's rooted in the church where people be like, yeah, can I get an amen? Amen. Got you. You know, mm. turn to your neighbor. Neighbor. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. That's a mm-hmm. history lesson. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Howard, so let me ask you this. The future for Speak House. Where do you want to see Speak House go? Ah, you know what? It it changes daily. Okay. You know, because I I think this is your baby. It's well, it's it's not my baby because once we build it, if y'all talking the right (laughs) price, I will sell. Okay. Are you selling? I am the creation here. Okay. I will make another speak house. So, uh, my gift, you know, there's no selling that. It's just it's embedded in me. Right. So you are. But but this machine that I'm building in order to create a comfortable life. Um, and in order to, of course, as we all, you know, like make better for our family right, and, right. and to be, you know, to be support and build, build wealth. But, um, yeah, you know, one thing that I will say for not only just speak house, but in my efforts in the space of public speaking and communicating, I always say that my, my mission is to make human interaction effortless. And I feel like 
and I and I know that you have this experience too. Your ability to connect with people, new right. people, random people. You probably go to parties, you go to bars, white people, right. Latino people, and you just have a natural way of connecting with folks. Correct. And there are a lot of people out there who don't necessarily. It doesn't come naturally, right? And so, but I also know. We have a very fruitful experience being able to connect with people wherever we go. It's like mm -hmm. you never met a stranger. Correct. And so for me, with Speak House, what we teach and how we teach, and we call it um, connection-sourced communication, okay. where it's not just about delivering a message, but it's about connecting with people. I hope that what we teach through our programs and our workshops and all of that, that people feel more connected so if if people the reputation is what i want speak house to have is i go there and i i feel like i'm more empowered to share my voice mm -hmm. but to connect with people right so but that's, yeah that's good because uh yeah like you said i think and sometimes i think that's a gift i think that's my purpose well i know that's mm -hmm. my purpose because i know like guys that go to school for this they went to mascom they went to journalism school they went to uh, 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 what is that? New York Times as an intern. They did all these things. And I'm like, I don't have to do that. I could walk in any room at the end of the day, probably 35% of the room of the people going to know who I am. Yeah. Just by, and not trying to get anything yeah. out of it. It's just who I am. Yeah. You know, but I think it's just a gift. It's just a gift. It's that. And the thing about it is that those were different forms of communication and connection, I think, is a form of communication. Okay. And it does, I think, like you said, I think there are a lot of people who, you know, got a gift of gab where they are, it's easy for them to use verbal communication mm -hmm. as a way to connect with people. Um, but connection is a language even within itself. Like is you it? could, yeah, connection, energy, the exchange, mm -hmm. real, recognize, real, that kind of space. Um, because there are people that can walk in the room, you haven't had any conversation with them, but you, connect. But you can connect with them. Right. You know, um, they could tell their story, and then through their presence, their essence, their aura, their energy, their vibe, you can hear their story, but yet you connect with them. But there was no conversation. There right. were no letters written to you. You know, um, but amazing, I, I think that connection is a language. You know, but that's amazing though. That's, you know, I studied psychology as a minor in school, so that's like one of those psychology borderline type deals because it's like a person that's from, say, Europe that you never, ever seen, you, and you in the, say you in the Maldives somewhere, and y'all meet up, and it's like y'all connect, like one-on-one. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah. So. Connection. So, <laughs> connection. So, look, I want the people to, uh, I want you to let the people know exactly where can they find Speak House how can they get in contact with you if they need some type of media training or some type of just public speaking? Uh, if, they wanted, or if they wanted you to do some type of moderating. Yeah, for the people. Okay, so first you can find us at speakhouse.com, www.speakhouse.com, and it's spelled H-A-U-S. Okay. Yeah, H-O-U-S-E. That was already taken, and they wanted like $10,000 for it. So we swiped left on that. Um, but H-A-U-S, so you can go on there, and then if you're interested in joining us in one of our socials, you can just click join a social. We have our calendar on there monthly, and like I said, we do a virtual 
in an in-person social every month. So go ahead and, and register your seat for that. Uh, and then you can follow us on Instagram at Speak House and then also LinkedIn as well. Um, we do a lot of moving and shaking on LinkedIn. For me, if mm-hmm. you want to follow me, I'm at Shahara, S-H-E-R-H-A-R-A. I'm sure it's going to be somewhere here in the bottom like this. Um, but you can follow me on Instagram, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, but our website and our Instagram is definitely the best place to go for what we're doing consumer facing. And if you work for a company or you work for an organization and you all have a communication partner and maybe they just not hitting it right, mm-hmm. then holla at us and then you can <laughs> fill out that form on our website and that will get get you in contact with us. <laughs> Y'all make sure y'all go hit Shara up on Speak House. Look, before we get out of here, all right? Uh-huh. I, I need, I, you got to give me a quote. Give me one of your f- best quotes that you practice oh. on the daily before we get up out of here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give two. Okay. Just because one came today, and the one that came today was don't, what did she say to me? Oh, damn. I was saying it all day today, too. She said, she said something about don't like, don't play with your own potential. Don't play with your potential. Okay. You know, like your potential, it is yours and you can cultivate it. You can grow it. Um, You know, when you're, it's this thing that I call like self-actualization. I think that that's another reason why we get a lot of people who feel like, oh, you know, I want to work on my public speaking, my communicating skills. And they're dope. You know, they got amazing experience, amazing expertise, but they're always looking for that next thing to evolve within themselves. And I call that self-actualization. But, you know, that's also our potential. So don't play with your potential. And if you feel like um, you're not tapping into your potential, ask yourself, you know, what more is there for you to explore about yourself? And then the second quote that I totally live by, and let me make sure I get it right, is, is, what if your happiest and truest life looked nothing like you envisioned? Would you have the courage to live it? That's heavy, though. Yeah. That's heavy. That's like purpose. Like purpose versus, uh, it's like purpose. What is that? It's like purpose versus planned. Yes. And, and that came to me. I had a lot of life decisions to make. I previously was married, and around that time, you know, I had this vision mm-hmm. in my head as to what my life would look like. And I started living and was not liking the living I was doing. Right. And I was working so hard to make sure that I wasn't letting that vision down, making sure that I wasn't I, like I was doing all that I could to make sure that vision had breath to live. Right. You know. Um, and then I sat there and this was, this was a quote that I got off of Instagram. This is a quote I got off of Instagram back in 2016. (laughs) And I saw that quote and it literally was like, ding. And so we make a lot of life transitions and our vision can change, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it may be. So that really hit me. And it's just like, what if your happiest and truest life? look nothing like you envisioned right it, now your happiest and truest life looks like this and it looks like that it look but do you have the courage to go and live it well that's like the serenity prayer oh yeah what does it say to it's a uh, god allow oh. me to accept the things that i can't change the courage to change the things that i can and the wisdom of the difference mm-hmm. same thing yeah. But a lot of people don't understand planned life versus purpose-driven life. Yeah. You know Isn't saying? it a book called Purpose-Driven yeah, Life? Yeah, uh, Rick Warren. 
Yeah, I have not read that one yet, but a friend of mine read it, and it's on my to-read list. It's an easy read. Easy yeah. read. It's like maybe 45 pages. You have a favorite book? I do. I know I'm extending this conversation. Oh, no, it's good. Like, <laughs> I do. Actually, my favorite book is Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. Ah. Small book. It's like maybe 10 pages. Huh. So basically, it's, it's basically saying, it's like, uh, in, in layman terms, basically, everything that you have, is it really that important? Mm. The things that you make important in your mind, are they really that important? Because sometimes you, you put things on at a priority and they're really not a priority. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it causes other uh, other stresses and other things that I don't want it, I need it. So, yeah. like, especially in this season in my life, I'm about to preach, y'all. I'm about to preach. I, I, yeah, I come like, I want to know a little <laughs> bit more about Adam. I know we got five minutes. Let this, me see y'all. Because in this season, I believe that uh, it's more of, relieving the stress that I had. You know what I'm saying? Because I have a lot of stress, like super stress. I, well, I'm saying I used to have a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. But uh, I had a lot of stress. But now it's like more of what, what is the priority to me? Why is this stressing me up? Because I'm making this as a priority versus it's going to be all right. I already know the outcome before it even happens. Go back to your purpose versus plan. I had a planned destination on I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to do this mm -hmm. versus... Just live your life. It's going to happen. It's yeah. going to be. Let it be what it's going to be. So that's what it is. Trust the process. Absolutely. Amen. See that? Y'all, look, we about to, we look, we <laughs> trying to get in here, trying to go to church over here. I'm trying to, I'm trying to close the show out over here. I just had an extra question. That's all. <laughs> but look, so all right, one more time, where can they find Speak House and where can they find you? All right, www.speakhouse.com. That's H-A-U-S. And then you can find us at that same name on Instagram. And if you want to find me, I'm at Shahara. I'm the only one at on Instagram. You're right. That is a unique name. Unique. Unique. Elegant. I use all my adverbs, adjectives today. I'm sorry. Look. But anyway, guys, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Make sure you hit Shahara up. Uh, she does an amazing, amazing job. I seen her at work, and I was blown away. So I had to get on the show. But anyway, guys, uh, make sure you hit her up. Make sure... If you have any comments or anything that you want uh, for us to talk about, hit me up in the comments. You know how to get in contact with me at Coach Lee Distinct. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. Peace out.